Hi, welcome to the third season of Left to Our Own Devices, a show that explores how to bring our human to work and to life, because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. Today, we have two guests on the show who are both interesting in their own right and are also collaborating on a really cool and very timely project. So first, we have Peter Knudsen, and he is with the firm A Plus I, which I actually write about in both Bring Your Human to Work and Rituals Roadmap. Peter has been with the design firm A Plus I for over 16 years, and in January of 2021, he was promoted to their chief strategy officer. In addition to being the chief strategy officer, Peter has also been, and this is in alphabetical order, a babysitter, a barista, a busboy, a coffee wholesaler, construction laborer, delivery truck driver, landscaper, research fellow in cellular neuroscience, a secretary, an urban planning research fellow, and a waiter. Hmm. Interesting. And we also have Bastien Bowman. Bastien was born in Aix-en-Provence in France. He gained his postgraduate degree in graphic design from ESAM University in Paris and completed his studies with a diploma in communication design. Bastien worked at Ogilvy for over eight years as the creative director and head of design and partnered in guided brands from Chanel to Cartier, Van Cleef, Tiffany's, IBM, Coca-Cola, United Nations, and the list goes on. Over the course of his career, he's won multiple awards, including five DNAD yellow pencils and three Grand Prix at Con Leon. In January 21, he joined the publicist group as the chief design officer and a founding partner at La Truque, a newly formed creative hub that we're going to hear about on the show today. Peter and A Plus I is partnering with Bastion to design this new space. And as you will hear, they are both super passionate about the role that space plays in developing creativity, ideas, and innovation. So welcome, Peter and Bastion, to the show. It's so great to see you. You know, this this season, as I shared with both of you, is about the hybrid revolution, when we will go back, how we will go back, if we will go back, why we will go back. And the role of the physical space is is on everybody's mind, including mine. So I am excited to dig in and have you two as as experts as as we go through this hybrid revolution. And I, you know, people have already heard your bios in the intro. And so I would love to just jump straight in and start with asking you both the same question, which is what has surprised you the most? over over the last year. You know, Bastian, let's start with you. Yeah, well, hey, I'm super excited to be here. And I'm going to go straight into the answer. I think I was very surprised on how fast we all adapted to this mm-hmm. new situation. It's not easy because it's so, it, everything was so new. And I was like, my teams, especially, I was very, very surprised how they kept the company running like very fast and all very efficient in completely new ways. And, and to me, that was like one of the most surprising thing I've seen. And I've also seen like the mental struggle it was to, you know, once you adapted to this new reality, like now at the end of it, hopefully I can see the, the consequences of like these new adaptations and, and, and these new ways of working. So it's definitely two things I wasn't expecting at all. So definitely. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And Peter, what about you? I mean, I could also say the exact answer Bastien said, which like you forget how 
I remember in our office, I think it was Wednesday before we shut down, we had an emergency meeting. The woman who's now our CEO came, came over to my desk and was like, I got to talk to you. Do you, think, do you think we should shut down? And how quickly it was, it became a reality that we weren't exactly anticipating. And then, you know, that was Wednesday. The last employees turned off the lights on Friday and we had an office stood up on Monday at our homes wow. that worked. And, you know, I spent the summer... And, and fall with uh, Dag Folger, one of our co-founders, talking with every client we could think of and, and, and even people who weren't our clients. And the universality of that experience. We had hedge funds, you know, 150 person hedge funds that found themselves working, you know, the close of markets on Friday and the opening of markets, of markets on Monday. And they were a functioning organization mm-hmm. from their own homes. And I think that is spectacular. And I actually think that's the, one of the lasting legacies is to do that was technology and and digitization of our whole lives that had to happen for some companies over a weekend. Some mm-hmm. companies were prepared, many weren't, and that can't, that's not going away. So suddenly every company is enabled to do this, regardless of pandemic or not. And I think that, that kind of the, the merger between those two things is what impressed me the most, what, what I thought was the most remarkable. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. The acceleration of so many trends that we had already started to see that some people and in industries told me they thought would have taken years that literally happened, you know, whether it was over a weekend or over a month. I mean, I, I agree. It's, it's, I hope we can take a lot of positives from that in terms of how we've all worked together as we begin to look at what you know, I and many people are are looking at as this this hybrid revolution around going back to work. So you two are both, you know, you're creatives, you're designers, and you're working together. I guess, you know, how did you how did you connect first to start working on this project? And I'd love to hear about, you know, the, this project that you're working on together. And you know, what are your thoughts around it? And because I think a lot of people are thinking about what they're going to do and, and can can really learn from it. Well, I can start because I was there at the the, the genesis of the the request from uh, publicists to to engage with us. And the publicists are moving, consolidating into headquarters in Hudson Square, you know, the, the neighborhood just to the west mm-hmm. of Soho. And they had come to us in, I believe it was January of 2020, to, to talk about something they were anticipating, which was they had built out an office that was much like an office, and their realization that there might be a different space that would, that would spur the creative impulse, and that they hadn't planned for that in, in a way that they felt it, uh, that they should. So they held a floor off from finishing and had us come in and, and talk about it. And we were literally in negotiations. I had a contract in their hands to sign the, the, we were supposed to start the Monday of shutdown, and that didn't happen, which I think it was actually really good because I think on our side, obviously it allowed us to see what everybody else was doing and so that we can really start thinking about what is what does space mean for a completely different purpose we would have built wonderful space for people and it would have been useful but it wouldn't have been as thoughtful about the future i think as we can do now and i think from the publicist side and i'll let bastian talk about this because i'm i'm no expert in 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 their internal workings but they created something much more broad and, and meaningful than simply a, a cool looking space for creatives to to hang out out of the out of the whole opportunity. Great. So so Bastian, tell us about the name and the the derivation of the name. I'd love to hear about the organizing concept and the physical space, but starting and I know a lot of what A plus I does is really does so much work before you start working on the physical space to get to know the culture and the company and the values and using the space to bring that to life. 
Yeah, well, I, I joined uh, the Publicis Group in January of, of 2021, so it's pretty recent. There was a lot of discussion around the space before then, as, as Peter mentioned. And I think Carla, my boss, like the CEO of, of Publicis New York and, and Le Truc, already had an idea of like, how do we you know, reinvent creativity, especially in advertising? And it was a whole package and a whole thing, and the consolidation of the, of the space was, was part of it. So... It, it's very rare that you have an opportunity as a creative, like doing your job to be able to talk to the person that is going to build your workhouse, you know, like, and to me, it was absolutely amazing to be able to be part of it. So we put everything like, 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 okay, this is an opportunity. We're going to build things from scratch. So what would make a person more creative work in, in a work environment? Like what would make you more creative if you could sit in your closet like you're sitting right now or like would you be because a lot of creatives are you know like you already like oh i have more ideas when i'm under a shower like i've, I've seen that like oh, i'm more creative when i'm running mm-hmm. on my treadmill or like and i think there is like definitely a connection between creativity and the, uh, the sense of environment and how can we enhance that and i was very very happy to be part of that and build Le Truc. So that's the name of the collective that we are building. Le Truc, just like the name is just the French version of the, the thing. So it's really, it's really a non-thing or a thing or whatever it, it means, but it's, it sparked more curiosity than it really means anything. But it's this idea that this Le Truc thing is about like, how do we generate a new type of creativity inside advertising, really? And the space is definitely part of it. Wow. Right. I, I looked up the meaning of the name and it said, it means thingamajig, or I want that thing, but I don't know what it's called, which I think represents a lot of what we are all thinking about, you know, exactly. right now. So, Peter, anything you want to add to, to what Bastian just said? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a piece of Latruc that was meaningful to us, and it, it's really influenced, I think, the way we started to think about this space in, you mentioned it, uh, Bastian, like the, the idea that comes to you in the shower happens because creativity is, is is hard and amorphous, right? It's not something you can grab and force. It's something that you have to sort of coax and, and, and cajole a little bit. You have to fight with it sometimes. You have to, you know, prepare and then just wait sometimes. And I think that for us, it was really meaningful to think about Latruc as this, the, the, the challenge to be creative, especially to be creative uh, on a timeline for others is a huge pressure. And this idea of what is the space that allows you to wrestle with the uncertainty of, of the creative impulse and that what is, what is the version of the, the, the idea in the shower in, in an office? Is it, is it more than a conference room in a desk? Is it something other? And I think that's where we're really pushing this is what is the variety of physical environments that can change the way you're experiencing the world in a way that gives you that, that moment or that, in, in, that inspiration that's going to let the idea come out, let the idea become formed? And then how do you form it afterwards? Because nobody has the right idea. Nobody imagines the perfect thing the first time it enters their brain. And that's, that challenge is, 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 is fun to tackle. It's a spatial one. So it's interesting. How, how do you, you, what you just said, Peter, how do you be creative, but on someone else's timeline? Which is really interesting, right? When you're just being creative on your own timeline, there's no issue. But I can see that sort of creative tension come to be. And layering on top of that now with this hybrid revolution, whether people be in the office, not be in the office. I mean, there's a whole other layer of what being on somebody else's timeline, but also physically where they're going to be as well. So that, that brings me, and you can talk about it in your current roles or in you know, in past projects as well, you know, when I think about the creative process, so much about that process is 
being in a room with people and brainstorming and feeling their energy and seeing them and the highs and the lows and, and all of that, which none of us have been able to do. And so would love to hear from you. I mean, how has that been going for you personally, for your firms? I mean, are there, I mean, you're both, you know, very successful in your, in your roles and in your companies. What can we learn? Like, what, how, how do we do this if we're not all together? And even when we do go back, we're probably not going to be back the same way that we were. No, no, no. I, can, I can't start on, on, on this one. I, I think the, the experience, the years of experience I had in, in the office and, and being surrounded with creative, I've always witnessed most of them would sometimes hide in meeting homes or huddles, trying to be as much as they could by themselves. And I think I was always talking to some of my colleagues about like how we hated open spaces. And it was like, you know, what's wrong with open spaces? Well, I have my headphones on with noise cancellation, but like it doesn't prevent yep. me from being disrupted in when I'm doing something. And I kind of like thinking about creativity and how it works, you, it's basically very two basic steps. It's like diverging steps and converging steps. So you need two steps. You need one where you're going to be by yourself, feeding yourself about the problem. What's the problem? And then you're going to have to exchange that problem with others. So it's really collaboration. And open space is amazing for that because you actually, you're with everybody. But you need that time where you're by yourself and you need to do the things. You need to craft the things and you need to find the solution. And this time you don't need anybody. So that's why you go to a library or you try to hide everywhere you can in a coffee space or whatever. And I think the spaces of today for creatives are good for collaboration, but very bad for like crafting by yourself. And I think... Pandemic mm-hmm. brought that much more, the crafting time. So you would be by yourself at home and it would be very quiet. So you would miss one side now and you would, you know, you know what I mean? You, you never had right, both sides. Right. So I think what I loved about the project we have with A plus I is that we, for the first time, I think we have those two sides present in the same physical space. You have very dark rooms that you feel very cozy. It's very quiet. It's all about crafting. And nobody is able to like disrupt you in, in the process of like working. And you also have these very bright spaces where it's very, very big tables and where everybody can really converge into something that is, is finding creative solution to problems. So I re- I'm really excited about like for the first time, it's not an open space and it's not your home. It's kind of a, a in between of those two. We, I've been using these really weird verbs when I talk about the space you know, like how do you fold yourself into this corner or fall into another room or push yourself into a different space? These really physical feeling words, not like, how do I walk down the hallway to a quiet room? It's like, how do I, and this maybe is, is my personal sort of creative experience, but I, I tend to find that I need a group of people around me when I'm, and I think we do as architects too, need a group of people around you to, to talk about ideas, to push ideas around. But there's a moment when mm-hmm. something somebody says links to something you have in your mind and suddenly the, the idea starts flooding to you. You, you know, you, the, either the visuals or the words or the organization or whatever starts coming quickly because whatever has been unlocked. And I always find that I need to get away as quickly as possible. I need to, like, I'm going to stand up and walk out of this room because I think I I know what I need to do and I want to make sure I, I have a chance to, to get it on paper so I can bring it back into the room so we can look at it before I, it, it gets mm-hmm. sort of uh, washed away by whatever is said next. And I, I kind of feel that way with this, this space we're doing for, for Bastian and, and, and Publicis, which is, you know, these spaces are really close to each other. There's, a, there's an open space which looks like an office space and then there's a little, you know, 
fuchsia room or green sort of tuck away that you can move into and find quickly. And it's, it's sort of, hopefully you can kind of pulse between those two states and you know, the, mm-hmm. the whole context of, of the podcast is about ritual and there's a certain unplanned ritual to, to the creativity. The way I kind of see it is, is exactly what Bastian was talking about, which is expansive thinking and reductive thinking and expansive thinking and reductive thinking. And how, how can you train a space around how that's kind of unpredictable sometimes. You'd never quite know when you're going to need to feel or engage with a space of a different type or, or walk it out into the public and just throw it out there for people to hack at and to make something greater of than you can come up with by yourself. So I'm glad that the, the space is moving in that direction because I visited so many companies, especially when I was interviewing people for Bring Your Human to Work, in these, Bastian, what you were saying, these open spaces, they were not working. Everybody had their headphones on. People were miserable. I talked to people who took vacation days to get work done at home. And so, you know, tying it back to what we said in the beginning, I think this pandemic has accelerated many things about space that that, that just weren't working. Yeah. Um, Bastian, what were you going to say? No, I was about to build on what Peter was saying. I think the, the accidents are what's missing for creative, especially today. The accidents in the way that the space is built is always surprising you. And then you're always in something that you're not expecting is very important for creativity. And as much as I love Herman Miller, like the open space with all Herman Miller's chairs and like the desk, and it's very rigorous. And also what we have now, what I think is happening also with the pandemic is that we have our Zoom meetings one after the other. And what happened in Zoom is you have one stream of communication. It never happens that like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Peter is going to talk to Alexa right now and then they're going to have some other discussion that we are having right now, which is what's happening in the real world. You have like side conversations. And I think that's those, those little accidents are where the creativity yeah. come from when you have one fact connecting with something else. And then suddenly, boom, you have an idea and you're like, I've seen this on the screen of my colleague, but with the Zoom and the pandemic, you can't, it's so rigid because you have one stream of discussion and you have like your agenda, very regulated. So the space that we have now is like all about like generating as much accident as we can. So the creativity can be very leveraged there. I think it's, it was also. Uh, yeah, I, 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 for one, can't wait to see it. I, I wasn't sure what you were going to say about the space originally <laughs> when you started talking. I'm like, oh my God, there's going to be a big shower in the middle <laughs> so people can go in and get their best ideas in the shower. That probably won't work. So I agree with you 100% about these spontaneous interactions. Peter, though, I want to turn to you. I mean, have you started talking to any of your clients, you know, even other clients about the you know what's going on in the world and are people coming back and how are they coming back because part of the challenge is how are we going to have these spontaneous interactions if we're all not there on the same day so i'm just curious i mean i know this space we're talking about right now is not even open yet but you can talk about it specifically around some clients or you can both as creatives give me you know a higher level opinion but how how do you think this is going to work in reality and again not necessarily specific to this group that we're talking about? It's a really meaningful question right now, actually, because, you know, my job is as chief strategy officer is really talking to everybody. I mean, my goal is to help build the idea sets or the scaffolding that people can work around. So in our office or, or other clients or whatever. And we've been talking to a host of people throughout the pandemic. And it's really, it's starting to become of the moment that people are really planning f- kind of in concrete terms for going back to the office. And 
everybody, most everybody we've talked to is going to do it in some form of leveraging of choice. Like I said at the beginning, they've built these infrastructures that allow them to be productive and, and to work you know, in any host of, of ways in any location, and they're not going to abandon that. But I think we've, we've been fooled into thinking there's a, there's, a, there's a success that we found at home, and we are going to be able to layer that or, or puzzle together work and home, and it'll be fine. And what I've been finding is, even in just the beginning instances of this, hybrid is, is a completely different thing than working all in person or working all remotely. And there's an imbalance between the people who are on a call and the people who are physically in the room that is impossible to overcome. I mean, there is, there is language that your body says that is, it is impossible to replicate on a Zoom call. And there's a certain egalitarianism to a Zoom call, right? Everybody's the same size yeah. and everybody can feel the same. And I've heard of people who are like, I'm in the back row when the CEO and the chief investment officer are talking at this office I work at. On the Zoom call, I can, I can raise my hand and I can say something. In that room, I'm by the air conditioner. I have no ability to, to merge into that conversation. And there's going to be a, a, a collision of those two things. And I honestly think nobody, well, nobody, nobody has worked in the future yet. So we don't know what the future work is going to look like. Like we only have our present. But I think that the biggest challenge of the hybrid environment is going to be figuring out how to give people the benefits that they've learned to to live with, reduce commute, freedom to do what you need to if it's two o'clock and I need to like let the plumber in or go do dry cleaning or take my, my daughter to school, I can do it. Those values, those kind of improvements in life, we're not going to let go. But the, the, the ability to work with people in different locations asynchronously sometimes, like I'm at night, you're in the day, you're in Frankfurt, I'm in you know, Singapore, all of that is something we just don't understand yet. And the, the few experiences I've had with being a, a virtual participant in a physical meeting have been some of the worst professional experiences in my life, just feeling, feeling relegated to steerage while a meeting that you're important to happens. You know, it's, it's those dreams where you, know, you can't coordinate your legs well enough to run and you need to, and you're, you just feel incompetent. And I, I think that's going to be a challenge. And we have to overcome it because we're not going to be able to find ourselves in 2019 again. And that's going to be the job of leaders today is to make people not feel like exactly. you said you just felt. I'm hoping that rituals plays a piece in that and and trying to figure out how to continue to to have a you know a dem, you know to democratize a certain kind of a meeting even if people are in two different simultaneous states at home and at work but I think you articulated that perfectly and and as the as the name of the podcast says you know left to our own devices people are going to feel like you just described yeah. And so we have to be intentional and and get in front of it. You know, Bastian, you've had a long, successful career. I mean, any thoughts on how you're yeah. going to address some of these challenges? And again, I agree with Peter saying, look, we're we only are in the present, but I do think you know, people can learn from from leaders who have you know experienced kind of these ups and downs and can bring at least some ideas to the yeah, fold. I, it's so funny how lately. So I've been going back to work very carefully and. The only thing I've seen is the C-suite is at all corners of the building and that's it. So it's like the CMO is here, the CFO is here and they're all at corners of the of the building. It's like everything is empty and the big leaders are like in the corner of the of the place and it, the whole thing is empty. And I'm like, what? This is so interesting. And 
I think you need to give people a reason, a very tangible reason of why should I go back to work? Because I've proven to you that I'm as productive as I used to be when I stay at home. So, you know, I, there is no problem for me to stay home because I can show you I'm, I'm as productive. So there, there needs to be for us a, a story about the reason why you should come back to work. And that's going to be a big role of us telling that story to, to the people around us. And I don't know exactly what that story is. I can tell you the starting a job on Zoom only was very difficult for me. Yesterday, I had a big meeting with people that I've just seen on Zoom. And it's funny what Peter, you said about the size, because a lot of people told me like, oh, I thought you were like much much taller and I was like well sorry I'm too short it's like no I don't know I feel like I've seen you on tv and it's just like weird to see someone for real and I'm like I'm so sorry I I felt so you know I was disappointing them but it's like it's a whole like thing that I was missing from them too you know I I found like I've known them much better seeing them for real and I think that's the whole little details that we miss that happens in the workplace that we're gonna have to you know bring back and tell the people this is what you're missing we've we've seen the end of zoom and we know what we can do with it now it's time to like go back to work with like what it can bring to the table and have also the the productivity still uh, be relevant but uh, i i think it's like the story we're going to tell is going to be the the key for them to come back to work for sure yeah, you want it to be a pull, not a push. Yeah. So you want to have that story and then figuring out, I mean, I think the secret sauce is to figure out how to create that pull, create an amazing space where it's not big and open, where you can't get your any of your work done and you want to collaborate, but also making sure that people don't feel like they're losing to what Peter was saying, you know, so, not every day, all day long, but that ability at times to be home with the puppy and take your kids yeah. to school. And so that's that's going to be the the secret sauce. I think. I, I think there's so much to be said for we are the reason to go back to the office, right? We are the pull. People are the pull. And the relationships mm-hmm. you form and nurture and and exhaust and, and trust and depend on. I, I know that people have been getting better at doing it virtually and building teams virtually and onboarding new employees and and you know, making deals and striking new relationships, but the the ease by which and the joy by which you can do that in person, it, it doesn't exist on Zoom. You know, the the exhaustion of a day talking to people on Zoom is something that you know you you walk away sometimes from from work in person exhilarated by the conversations you had. And I've yet to feel at the end of a day exhilarated by eight solid hours of Zoom meetings. And I think it's because where the the joy of being social doesn't quite transcend to this this environment. And the people over the summer, I mean, we talked with a lot of people and, you know, the ebb and flow of the virus meant that there were times where companies we work with were trying to influence uh, or compel or entice their employees back to the office. And in almost every single one of those cases, the the people coming back to the office stalled out at, a, at almost the same number. It's right around 15%, 18% of, of people returning, which is about the amount the percentage of people who have onerous home lives or, or situations that they need to escape or, or that, are, that are too confining and they need some space. But everyone else from, from what we heard from the people we spoke with, so it's anecdotal, but was that I went to the office once, I, met, I saw only two of the eight people I was hoping I'd see, I'm not gonna waste my time. And, 
And that's the, that you only need one day where you commute for two hours from Terrytown, don't find anybody, go back home and say, I'm just going to turn on my computer at seven. And then I turn off the computer at 630 and my family's there and we're going to have dinner and my life is complete. Yeah. So I think the, the social drive is, is fundamental and, and building reasons to come together and building value to the coming together is going to be essential to get the right people in the room so that you return to the office with purpose and with intention and with those relationships. Right, and I think if you plan, yeah. right, when, when, we, when we get more planful and intentional, that when everybody does come back from XYZ team, all eight people, you know, are going to be there. Yep. you know, barring any emergency, but, but versus, you know, going back to left to our own devices where we have right. to be, be intentional or, or it's going to, or it's going to backfire. So on the topic of, of rituals, which as you both know, is near and dear um, to my heart, you know, can you share either a personal ritual or, you know, a workplace ritual that that's really important to you? I, I guess I mean, mine is very personal and it's not unique at all. A lot of people do it, but I um, I live in Brooklyn. I don't live too far from Prospect Park. And the first day of the pandemic, I, I would I would cycle commute often into in, into the office a couple of times a week at least. And I, I decided I would just ride the length of my commute every morning. So I'd get up, you know, before my wife and daughter got up 545 or whatever, and I just ride a few laps of the park and then come back to come back home. And I could still make breakfast. I could still go through the the, the routine, but it was it just felt like I, I did it. I I've got I, I got myself out of the house. I got to work, and I I haven't missed a day yet during the pandemic of of that experience. I moved it to the to the you know the the bicycle we have set up in our living room for a while just because it got cold and snowy. Right, the weather exactly. Right. But but it's been essential. I, I learned that you know years ago. I, I I had a partner and and I had a company in China and I commuted so for about you know, half the year I'd work out of, out of Brooklyn here. And I realized I, I would walk my wife to work every day because if I didn't have a way to leave the house and come back, I, I just couldn't feel like a human being. I couldn't feel whole. And so that's a really personal one. It's not really one that helps structure the lives of the people who work with me, but, but it, but it's essential. I, I couldn't, couldn't. Well, but it's how you begin your day. I mean, I always say beginnings and endings yeah. are prime rituals, real estate. So how you begin, how you end transition rituals. Bastian, what about you? Uh, it's very funny, Peter, what you said, because it's exactly what I'm doing as well. I've not in the morning. I, I've been very, very, very careful of biking every day. And I actually bike in Prospect Park. So I'm pretty curious that I haven't seen you. Maybe I should I should pay more attention <laughs> to it. The cycling has been a big uh, deal for me during the pandemic. And I've, I've actually promised myself to bike every day at work. It's not a long commute, but it's it's a thing. And that's why I'm, I'm fighting a lot, Peter, to have some showers in the in the space. Not because it's getting me more creative, but <laughs> because it's it's actually a big reason why people <laughs> will cycle to work. And I think this is very simple to to fix. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah I, I I can't bike to to work because I, there is no shower. And it's like, well, that's very simple to solve, right? I actually, for logistic reasons, lost that battle. What five years ago when we built the, our current office, but. It's such a great moment to resurface it. I have I have a I have a lot more ammunition on my side now that we're that people don't want to take the subway. You did put a bathroom, a shower into our office when you built. I it. know a beautiful shower too. I, I should work out of there. Yeah, actually. there you go. And and I know my husband. He does. He jogs to work. He'll bike to work when he is in fact going back to the office. So he uses it. Well, 
That, let's talking a little bit about ritual, but a little bit about the rituals we've learned at home and bringing a little bit of the comforts of home. And I'm not talking about like kind of gratifying amenities or whatever, but simply the courtesy to have a shower, let's say, or to have, have a private bathroom or to have a space to get away for any reason, not productive, productive to the, the, the onsite version of shutting in the computer lid and just getting off zoom for 15 minutes mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, flipping through the New Yorker or something. I, I think we, I think our workplaces owe that to us. I think our workplaces owe human environments to re-engage us as human beings and not just these, like Bastian said, these Herman Miller rows of, of perfectly ergonomically set registered desks. And that is functional, but inhuman in a way. And I think that's, that's a piece of it. It's not exactly a ritual, but it's a, a companion to the rituals of our lives. It's treating ourselves like people. Well, it go, right. It, it goes back to what Bastian was saying, like, what, how are we going to pull people back into the office? And it's an interesting way to frame, well, we've enjoyed many of these aspects of home, which of them can we kind of stick back in the office? And some of it could be, you know, physical in perks, but some of it is also, you know, a, with a with a mindset right. to say, you know what, I am going to walk out at one o'clock and, you know, go to FedEx. And, and, you know, I write about and bring your human to work leaders who leave loudly, you know, instead of sneaking out to go to right. your kid's baseball game, you know, you are leaving loudly. So it's an interesting idea to to bring more of that sort of flexibility to one's life, but do it out of some of the days you're in the office. Yeah, I, I think those rituals. I was I was trying to to really think about the culture and what brings, what makes a great culture like a, a work culture. And and most of it is like through stories that we tell our colleagues or our friends. And it's like, oh, in that environment they do this or they do that or we've done this and that. And so it's like all those little stories create strong culture inside the workplace. And I think rituals are are those stories in a way that like. You know, like what are the stories we're gonna tell that are gonna build this culture of work? And I think the ritual is such a big part of it. I, I like to think of the space that we are building, Peter, as a spaceship. I think I, I love to think about it, and I, I think I found why. I think it gives a sense of direction in in some ways, and it's it's also about the future. And it's like I like the idea of like if I'm in the space, it's not a static space. It, it brings me into some sort of direction, and and. I feel that what you've done makes me feel like when I'm inside, I feel like I'm going somewhere, which is a very weird, a very weird way to say it's a space because it's like actually, I I, I would feel I would go somewhere with the space. Which I love is great. that. Well, it feels. It sounds like what you're saying. It feels active, like when you're there. It feels active. It, it yeah. feels. It feels active. So I have one last question, and then a few sort of rapid fire questions before we end. But this is a question. This is the third season of the podcast, which the question that everybody gets, which is, you know, what is something that you do in your life that makes you feel most like you? And if it is cycling, since we covered that, don't you know? Don't worry about it being the same. But you know, if if anything else jumps out, let us let us know what makes you feel most like you. Uh, that's a very tough one. So <laughs> it's great. Peter, you're going to have more time to think about this. You know what I think? I f- the, the thing that would make me feel the most like myself is to, uh, I would say to read as much news as I can because I can react to it. So the more I can, I don't know if it's a French thing at all or not, but the, the l'esprit critique, which is very Voltaire, you know, it's very Voltaire. So it's like when I criticize something that I'm reading or, or seeing, I can forge a bit of more, more of my identity, right? So like the more I can read stuff or, or learn about stuff, the more I can react to it and then construct my identity. So 
I would say the more I read the news, the more I feel myself reacting to it. You see what I mean? So I'd say that's that's how I, I do it. That's great. Peter? You know, mine is actually probably the piece of, of being a little boy that I've never been able to get get rid of, which is there's a there, there's the artist, uh, Kurt Schwitters, who was an artist, a German artist through or Austrian artist through World War II. But he has this quotation and I, I don't, I've, I've loved it since I heard it, which is we play until death shuts the door which is a little bit, I've always interpreted it as meaning that in, every, in everything, just find, find joy, like find, find why it's fun. And for me, that's just in, in injecting sort of um, absurdity or humor in everything I do. And I it's, ask my wife, she's probably frustrated to death. My daughter's probably delighted. But it, if, if I wasn't able to engage things as, as something that's, that builds joy, even, even silliness or whimsy, I don't know what I would be. So in every day, in every moment, there's there, even in the worst of situations, there's a little bit of that there, which makes the next minute easier to handle. I love that. All right. And you have to promise, how old's your daughter? She's eight. Okay. So when she's 18, like my daughters, <laughs> you'll have to let me know, you know, the, how that's going. Because, oh, you know, at some point, I, if we're trying to trying to incorporate that, you you get a different response. So I love it. Keep it as already, long as you can. <laughs> she's already embarrassed. She she already she already blushes or, or or gets exasperated when I'm around people that she doesn't want me to talk to. So. Right. Or you say it's what makes me feel most like me. So I love that. So the last question is just a one word that I'm looking for, which is, you know, at this moment in time, you know, we're at this inflection, you guys are building this amazing forward thinking spaceship together. And, you know, what's one word that you would use to describe how you're feeling right now about the future of work and, and the role of, of your physical space? Two words, actually, but guardedly optimistic. I'm super optimistic about the future. I think that there's there's nothing but challenge like on the horizon, but I think that one interesting thing is challenge gives us a reason. And so meeting that challenge, I think, makes for an engaging future. So Yeah, me too. Bastian, the final word. <laughs> the final word, extremely excited. And in a good way, I think the potential of what we have on the table is, is really what gets me excited. And I would hope that I can share that excitement with the team that I'm going to work with, but like really deep I hope I have the right reason to be excited, but definitely a lot of excitement that now we're going to go out in the world and like not go back to normal, but like do a whole new thing that uh, we can all build together. I'm very excited about that. And before we go, I'd be remiss um, in saying that, you know, I'm, I'm just the lowly strategist on the team. There is there is a, an amazing group of architectural designers. And like we talked about it, it takes a community of people working together long, long hours to, to make something great. And it's a communication with, with publicists as well. And so all of those people are at heart responsible for, for making something great. And I think we're on the cusp of it. So Great. Well, I loved hearing about it. I can't wait to see it in person. What's your hopeful targeted date? So it's supposed to be the 14th of September. It didn't change so far. So it's, it's good. It's ambitious, but Exactly. All right. Well, we'll say the fall. We'll say the fall. Fall 2021. So thank you both for being here. And I love the conversation, learned a ton. And again, excited to see you both up close and personal in your beautiful new space. So thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to Left Door Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly-ish update on all things human at work, or just want to say hello, email me at erica at ericakeswin.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you soon.